0: Uh, 1 Timothy five eight, and we're talking about this week as we uh, ping pong between different needs. Last week, we talked about uh, his need for domestic support, and we talked about a lot of uh, fun stuff, right? And uh, appreciate you keeping up with our lessons here. This week, we're on exceeding her need for financial support. Now, we talked about this, this kind of goes hand in hand with a little bit last week. Uh, we found out in our class probably 75% of households in here have uh, uh, two working spouses, um, and so we talked about that last week about guys should then help and pitch in, and, and we should anyways obviously, uh, but we should we should divvy up our domestic responsibilities. Um, I know there's a lot of ladies uh, rejoicing yesterday because while they are at their conference, their husbands uh, babysat or did dishes or whatever, mm-hmm. and um, I don't know how to take that guys because ladies will post like hey, you know, my husband did the dishes, like, you know, they kind of, like, treat us like we couldn't ever do anything, you know, Uh, so he actually watched the kids, and he did the dishes, like, wow, you know, Uh, which is difficult, I guess, when there's a a quadruple header of football games on a Saturday, you know, and so, uh, props to those guys, Uh, I got to babysit all day yesterday, which was a lot of fun as well, so, uh, guys who jumped in on that, good for you, and this week, we're looking at uh, exceeding her need for, um, financial support, financial support. Uh, first Timothy five, eight, we'll read this verse. It says this, and it's a, it's a good verse and a, and a probably one, you know, well, but if any provide not for his own and especially for those of his own house, he hath denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. And what's interesting to me, as you look at that verse, it says this, any, any that, if, but if any provide not for his own house, or for his own, sorry, especially for those in his own house. So what's the difference then between those who are his own and those who are in his own house? If you go back before an incredible amount of social safety net in our country, uh, as uh, parents aged or as – maybe someone couldn't take care of or whatever else, the very first line of defense and supporting that was family. And so uh, they would take care of grandparents that couldn't or or whatever else. Uh, And so it's saying this verse in this context that we do have a duty to take care of uh, folks. And there's some, several in our church that take care of, uh, maybe their maybe they're older parents or grandparents or things like that. But then it also, it goes in there and says, but especially those are of his own house. If we don't take care of those, he has to deny the face and is worse than an infidel. So God puts a lot of stake here, guys, on us being able to provide and take care of and make sure that our house is supported in a financial means. Now, some of us, we're, in, we're sitting in a spot where the wife is contributing to that as well. But according to the Bible, it is given as a duty to the husband to, in whatever way, make sure that that is something that is handled. If you could, you could probably believe this, uh, but Larry Burkett, who does a lot of uh, Christian counseling and writing of books on marriage and things like that, said of the couples who end up getting a divorce, this is crazy high. Every survey shows that between 85 to 90 percent contribute the number one problem they were having to finances. Mm -hmm. 85 to 90. Now, there were other problems, obviously, and there usually always is a litany of problems. But the number one problem that leads off uh, is an area of finances, and so it's an important area, obviously. And uh, whenever you say you're going to talk about finances, I know that it doesn't always uh, go over super well, you know. But uh, one day, um, and this kind of uh, hits close to home. Uh, but after uh, the um, the uh, Littletons got married and stuff, um, you know, Jennifer the Ladies have been kind of talking around the church, stuff like that, and were kind of teasing Jennifer that she had just married Sean for money, you know, obviously, because of the insane amount of money that he has. And so they were teasing her about that and stuff like that. And so uh, Sean was hearing that as well. And so one day he went to Jennifer, his wife, and he said, look, you know, not to put you on the spot here, but, you know, if if it wasn't for my money, if I lost all my money, you know, would you still love me? And uh, she said, yeah, of course, of course I would still love you. I'd love you a lot. And I would miss you dearly. And so sometimes people are with people for the wrong reasons. But most of the time, I believe in a a congregation our our size and where we're at in life. Most people, you have a budget and you need to watch your budget. And uh, you make choices off that budget. Uh, Maybe in some cases you're making some sacrifices. Maybe some sacrifices to have your kids in certain areas or to honor the Lord in certain areas or whatever. And so it's important to you. And obviously it's an area, as we'll see, that's important uh, to God that we also be successful uh, in that. So let's look at a couple of things here. And uh, I want to leave some time in order to illustrate some of this because I do believe that it's important. But first off, number one here, we're going to be diligent in labor. Be diligent in labor. The Bible says right there, uh, whatsoever the hand findeth to do, do it with thy might. For there is no work, nor device, nor knowledge, nor wisdom, in the grave, whither thou goest, guys. Obviously, and you know, if you grew up, several of you probably grew up with a dad who taught you a pretty strong work ethic, right? And uh, taught you to work in a certain way. And maybe if that's not the case, maybe you had to learn that the hard way, or you've learned that, and you're trying to pass that along to your sons. Uh, but for a lot of us, probably we had some male figure, either dad or grandfather or whatever, that was really persistent in teaching us the importance of work. So let's look at a couple of things here. First off, we ought to do everything as unto God, as unto God. Any work that we'd perform, we should do it unto God. I'm just one of those people that believe that Christians should not be the lazy ones in the workplace. Uh, a lot of, you know, we'll say a lot of times, sometimes every once in a while, um, uh, someone will, you know, they'll, they'll be really excited about church, you know, or whatever else, and and uh, they're, they're great at showing up for church and doing all these other things, uh, but then they'll get fired. You know, why do they get fired and try to run it down or whatever? And the fact is, is that is that although they love going to church and all those other things, they just really weren't a very good employee to their boss, to their employer. And I honestly believe that even though it takes more work, that a Christian should be somebody that... Uh, works really, really hard in the workplace. If you're going to go out there and your boss knows that you're a Christian, which they ought to, you basically have one of two choices. You can either uh, hide your light under a bushel so that, you know, kind of like the Christian incognito, nobody knows your witness, nobody knows that you're saved. Uh, If we have a big event, Easter or Christmas or whatever, you wouldn't invite anybody because you're just going to kind of keep that under wraps. Then, there's no testimony for you to blow, I suppose, right? Or you can choose to be honoring to God and, and talk about him and invite people to church and things like that. But then you have a little bit of a testimony that's on the line. And so because of that, we should just be determined, man, I'm going to work hard. I'm going to look around this room. Uh, I'm, I, I know most of you, and I know your testimony, and I'm, I can probably guess. Uh, that your bosses would hate to lose you because you guys are very, very hard workers. And I appreciate that. Some of you work in family businesses. Some of you work for yourself. Uh, Some of you work for the man. Some of you are becoming the man quickly uh, because of how hard you work. And so that's good stuff. And obviously that's the way that it should be. So praise the Lord for that. Uh, Right here, uh, B, realize that everything you do has your name on it. Realize everything you do has your name on it. Um. I really do think this is healthy i know this is going away the more that we try to just blend up the genders and act like there's no distinctions or whatever um but guys i'm firmly believing man teach your teach your son to be a man you know i mean teach him to work hard uh, and that he has duties and responsibilities he doesn't let those things go uh, because that translates into providing for a family one day and um, we we all meet and, and know guys that are wildly absent in those areas. Um, but I'm, I'm, it might be old school. I don't care. Uh, it's exactly how I'd raise my son. That Look, these are things you're going to do. They're going to do them for your mom. You're not going to let them down. You're going to be a man. You're going to hold the door. You know, all of those things uh, because those are good values that we should pass it on. And they're not going to get it in the world anywhere. I'll say this. Uh, yesterday, I took some, took some uh, uh, kids to the park yesterday. So just there and whatever. And I'm not around... Um, elementary to middle school, age kids often outside of our school here, so sometimes you don 't realize how uh, bad it was, but there was probably some uh, fourth or fifth or sixth graders maybe they 're probably just still fifth grade and these three boys and they came through and they were riding around and you know they were, they were chasing each other, and one had a bike, so the other two of course had sticks, and they were trying to flip them off the bike because I mean you know that 's all what else would boys do you know that 's healthy however, what wasn 't healthy was. In the amount uh, of the the 30 minutes that I was there, no kidding, probably 40 times I heard the F word, probably 30 times I heard the N word, and these are like little fifth grade uh, probably Hispanic kids just running around, (coughs) just, just and there's other people at the park, and there's people driving by and everything else, just saying it, just saying it, just saying it and uh, other cuss words, and talking about other stuff, and I was, I'm like, it blew me away, and right there I resolved, I'm like, man, if I have kids, like, if you have kids uh, around that age, man, like, number one, if, if you can't put them somewhere out of that way, then know who their friends are, man, like, like talk to them about it, uh, be careful who they hang out, hang out with, because I'm sure that even, even if their family wasn't heavily church, I'm sure they're not, I'm sure that if their moms were there, they probably wouldn't act that way, right? Their mom doesn't have to be in church to know that, like, you don't... That's not how that, that works. But they were just crazy uh, we, bad in the mouth. said things before to the parents, and we get the same attitude back. From the okay. Well, that's even worse. That's even worse. Yeah. Uh, and so what do you do? I mean, what, what can you do? Because I'm sitting there, like, of course, I was mad Kid. about it. What's that? Uh-oh. That's right. That's what you can do. Yeah. <laughs> 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 that's right. I'm, I'm there, and, you know, I'm like, well, I, I'm 34, you know. I'm not going to what can I I can't run down a kid or whatever you know right. so I I say something to them you know but they don't care they blow you off you know right. um so just the disre- the amount of disrespect that even young kids to me I'm like they're, they're they're not like they're 16 17 year old kids it blew me away I'm like y'all are 10 11 12 years old are you kidding me um so obviously that path is gonna go a really long way. So, guys, teach your, your sons to be men, man. To treat people the right way, to talk right, to talk not to talk nasty and filthy. They were just vulgar, and uh, that that shouldn't be said amongst anybody. I don't care if lost or saved, but obviously we have saved kids, right? And we're trying to raise them in church. Deborah, I was gonna say even fathers, even if you don't have. You can teach your skills. Yes, absolutely. I mean, they do not have, we do not have to walk around
1: like pampered princesses. I mean, we have apartment, well, some of us except for Holly. But, you know, seriously, if, our, if we're a stay-at-home mom, which I am, I consider that a full-time job. I don't. I don't yeah. I, don't absolutely. Don't. I tease my husband. I'm not sitting at home eating bonbons, watching TV, and all the stuff, operas, blah, blah, blah. I'm working just as, maybe not physically hard, but I'm working. But my daughter needs to know how to change a tire. My daughter needs to know how to figure out how to fix a light bulb. You know, she needs to follow her dad around. He needs to teach her things so that she doesn't have to depend on a man until she finds a man. And I think we take it for granted that girls, I, my daughter's a princess, I apologize for this, but my daughter knows how to paint, she works with her dad on vehicles, and I think we shortchange our girls by assuming that the gender role has to be that way. My daughter is not, can be a princess, but she can also be an auto mechanic and work on her car. She's in college, and my husband's not there, and not have to pay somebody a fortune.
0: Know how to do something, yeah? Yeah. So
1: I'm just saying, I was just saying, men, just because you you have girls doesn't mean they don't need you, and by you setting that example, you're setting an example on how you treat other your women, your wife. is also teaching your daughter how she should be treated by other men. Right. What
0: kind of man she wants to love. Don't enable them to be snobber. Right, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, see, remember you're setting an example. You're setting examples. So obviously this is just talking about guys towards workplace, okay, towards workplace. Once you tell them, and you probably experienced this already because, you know, you work out there. Once you tell them you're a Christian, they're going to hold you to a different standard. They're going to do it. So you're going to do something. You're going to mess up. You're going to slip up. You have a bad day or whatever else. They're not going to let you get away with it because they're going to throw it in your face that you're a Christian. Whether they're doing it just in jest or whether they're doing it serious whether they're just messing with you or whatever. What I'm telling you, though, is once you say, okay, I'm going to be an example of Christ— Just know that now you're going to have to hold that example. But that's a good thing, obviously. That's what we should be. But just know that, you know, they hold you to a different standard. They're going to hold you to a different standard. Um, But that is obviously something that we should be prepared for. And then D right here, protect God's day. Protect God's day. Um, I realize that uh, there are certain uh, professions and needs. Obviously, it's a good thing that on today there is a hospital that's open. If anyone needs a hospital, right? There are emergent type of situations. Uh, However, for most of us, most of the time, uh, we need to be willing in order to work out situations in order to protect God's day. Maybe that means a change. Maybe that means a conversation with your boss, uh, whatever it is. uh, But we need to protect God's day. Obviously, you do because you're here right now. And uh, that is something that you uh, have chosen to do. But don't just assume because a boss hands you a schedule that that's just where you are entrapped and that's just what you have to do. Protect God's day as a Christian. Number two. Be dutiful in stewardship, or yeah, be dutiful in stewardship. Be dutiful in stewardship. We're going to look at a couple of verses here, so I wanted to leave some uh, time for it. Uh, here we go. A right there, tithing, tithing, tithing. All right, what is the basic... What is the uh, basic... Um, Um, Yes, 10%. Thank you. What's that word where you explain something? Explanation. There you go. Explanation of tithing would be 10%. Let's look up a couple of verses that are in conjunction with this Then that are in your notes there, okay? So you've got uh, Malachi 3, 8 through 10. We're going to go over the Bible really quickly here um, to find these. So Malachi 3, Malachi 3, 8 through 10. All right, so I want to build a quick case on this, and so just follow me if you could on this, right? Malachi 3 8 through 10 says this: It says, Will a man rob God? Question. Answer: Yet ye have robbed me, but you say, Wherein have we robbed thee in tithes and offerings? Verse number 9 says this: You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in my house, and prove me herewith, saith the Lord, if I will not open. Uh, you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that there should not be room enough to receive it. There's a couple of things. Number one, it gives us a command in verse number eight. Number nine, it gives us the negative to that. Or if we if we disobey the command, then the Bible says that the verse number nine there that you are cursed with a curse. So there is a curse for not obeying this command. Verse number 10, there is a blessing for obeying this command. So God goes, he lays it all out for us, okay? Once he gives the commandment, he gives the positive reinforcement and he gives the negative reinforcement, okay? That's what we learned from that verse. Stay with us here. We'll go to 1 Corinthians 16 because you might say, well, that's just in the Old Testament. That's all right. We got you. 1 Corinthians 16 says this in verse number 2. Upon the first day of the week, Sunday, so already we're into New Testament stuff, right? Because Old Testament would have met on what day? Saturday. Saturday. And so we're meeting on Sunday here. Uh, let every one of you lay by him in store as God has prospered him, that there may, uh, may be no gatherings when I come. So he said you don't keep it all at one time. Just every every week bring it in uh, as God blesses you. Then you would bring that Uh, back to him. Proverbs 3, 9, and 10. I'll read this one for you. You don't have to turn there. I want you to get over to 1 Kings though. I'll read you Proverbs 3, 9, and 10. Proverbs 3, 9, and 10 says this. Honor the Lord with thy substance, with the first fruits of all thine increase. Here's the blessing. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. Now, I understand that when we talk about finances, people get entrenched on things, okay? But I want to first explain, and then I want to show you this illustrated story in 1 Kings, okay? So the tithe would be 10%, okay? Okay. So I remember my dad teaching when we, were, when we were little, we would go and we would make something or we'd do some type of thing. Uh, we bailed hay in the summers. Uh, and so we would sometimes get paid for that. Uh, and so you, if you, we got paid 40 bucks, okay? Then my dad would say right away, okay, so we know, hey, so $4 goes to the Lord. And so we would tie that on Sunday. He started teaching us that from the time that we started making income so that we'd establish good patterns. A lot of you were raised in the same manner, okay? I wanna show you a verse here, or I wanna show you this story first Kings 17 because a lot of times I believe that we look at the Bible and their stories and we are okay no that's great and Elijah and John the Baptist and all this other stuff but we don't really run the relation back to ourselves and so I want to show you this story this is this in verse number seven of first Kings 17 just follow along because this is a really really good story it says this it came to pass after a while that the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land this is Elisha. The brook dries up where he was at, where he was getting fed. There's famine all across the land. So every single person is in need. Everyone is hurting. Some are hurting more than others. Some people had some stuff in store. Their reserves are getting low. Some people are dying now because of the famine that's in the land. So here we go. Verse number eight. The word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Arise, get thee to Zarephath, which belongeth to Zidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. Here's what's funny. Verse number nine. God tells him, I've already commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. So, meaning you'd think that God had already told her in advance about this. But as we read the story, God's actually going to use Elijah to give that command, okay? Verse number 10. So he arose and he went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, behold, the woman, a widow woman, which was there, was uh, gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, fetch me, I pray thee, a little water in a vessel that I may drink and as she was going uh, to fetch it, he called unto her and said, Bring me, I pray thee, a morsel of bread in thy hand. And she said, As the Lord thy God liveth, I have not a cake, but a handful of meal in a barrel, and a little oil in a cruise. And behold, I am gathering two sticks, that I may go in and dress it for me and my son, that we may eat it and die. And Elisha said unto her, Fear not, go and do as thou hast said, but make me thereof a little cake first and bring it unto me and after make for thee and thy son. For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, the barrel of meal shall not waste, neither shall the cruise of oil fail until the day that the Lord sendeth rain upon the earth. And she went and did according to the saying of the Lord and she and her and her house did eat many days. Here's what's interesting. So the man of God comes in town and he says, I need you to make me some food. She gives him a legitimate pushback. And she says, look, all the food that I have here, is left in here we're going to eat this and we're going to die my my uh, ipad's about to die here and so i'm going to transfer over to this sorry so if you were to read that you would sympathize with her and say this is a legitimate concern that she has there is only enough and she's made this hundreds of times for her and her son no doubt she knows exactly how much it takes in order to feed her and her son she's looking at this and she says okay we've got enough food for one meal And after that, there's no more income. There's no way to get means. We are going to die after this. He comes to her and says, you know what? Yeah, but make it for me first though. So I remember reading this story as a kid. I thought, man, well, what a jerk this guy is. He's like, take food out of your kid's mouth and give it to me. But right away he goes ahead and he gives her the promise that God had given to him that if you'll take care of him, that God would come back and would take care of her. And so he gives him this promise right away. And so uh, we realize that she can be sustained. So here's, here's, I want to simply illustrate this. So if I could get um, Chris, or uh, Ian, sorry, up here. And then um, Mr. Huffman, if you can come up here as well. So here's what he's saying. I want you to hold this over here, okay? And then I want you to hold this over here and you can go ahead and hold it out, okay? What God is saying to us is this. It's really simple, okay? Up here. And go ahead and go up high that way, people in the back, can see as well. We have our needs and we have God's needs. Now you say, well, God doesn't have any needs, except for the fact of this, is that God has chosen to use human instruments in order to get his work done, right? So, in other words, when I give money into the plate, it goes to get the work of God done. Be it lights, tracks, fuel for buses, uh, missionaries, whatever it is. God has used us or has the plan for us to use our income to get his work done. Now, if that's the case, then here's what God is saying. God is saying, if you will take care of my needs first, then I will bless you and I will take care of your needs. But God places the duties on us to take care of his needs first. And this is exactly what happened with that lady. He said, look... If you will take care of mining first as representing God, I promise you there'll be enough for you and your son, not only now, but for days and days and days to come. Now, what we always want to do is we want to switch these guys' places. Okay, come on over here. There you go. So that what, what we say is this. We we'll say, God, you know what? It's really tight right now. And you understand, but we're getting through school. We got this going on. Or, you know, we kind of got this other bill. We're paying it down really fast. So, so as soon as we're done with this bill right here, then God will take care of you. We say this all the time. It doesn't make perfectly logical sense. I mean, I've got a budget. I'm working it out. Or, you know, we're getting through this. We're trying to make fast payments or whatever. So that, and then I promise you, God, in about a year, 18 months, we're going to be at a good spot where we can really, really, really take care of you. But here's what happens, though. There's another component that we've got to realize happens, right? Guys, switch back, okay? When we take care of God's need first, the distance between us taking care of God's need and him fulfilling our need is a really important thing for Christians, okay? And that's this thing called faith. So in between satisfying God's need by obedience, because it is a command, okay? And where we see God taking care of us is a long gap of faith. That's what she had to do, too. She's making this meal, and she's, got, she's sitting there thinking, like, can I believe this guy? I've never met this guy before. It doesn't tell us whether or not she was a believer. So maybe she is, maybe she isn't. But what we know from the story, though, is she took him at his word. She took a chance, and she went by faith. She made it for him first, delivered it, went back to check. There's enough there for me and my son. And every day there was enough there just to feed them three for that meal. And then she'd go back at lunch and there was enough to feed them for that meal. Now, was she ever blessed in abundance to where she had a ton? No. But she always had enough to sustain them all the way through that famine. If she had refused that, yes, she would have made a cake for her son. She would have died. But because of her faith, taking care of God's need first, God blessed her and took care of her all the time of that famine. And hopefully that illustrates for us what we need to do. But see, we get it wrong because, oh, yeah, it's the Bible. And it's a good, that's a good, good, good story. Right now. but I'm talking about you with your finances right now. You're looking at it. You're saying, okay, God, well, you know what? God, we'll get to you. We'll get to you one day. God, I, pr- I promise you it's coming. But what God says is, if you'll take care of me by faith, then I promise you I'll take care of you. So here's what this comes down to then, okay? It comes down to this. Well, let me ask you these questions real quick, okay? Do you think, number one, okay, because you're sitting there and obviously you are talking with your wife back and forth and you know where you're at with your budget and you know whether or not you're, you're honoring God with that 10%, okay? So let me give you these questions real quick. Just think about these. You don't have to answer them out loud. Number one, do you think that God is buying whatever excuse you're selling? Just, just honestly, okay? You say, Jeremy, this is really mean. Look, I've had to do this my whole life too, Okay? And, and not, uh, there's no one in here that I know that is exorbitantly rich. I think everyone's making sacrifices in order to do things, okay? But uh, number two, do you really believe that God is able? Do you believe that God is able to take care of your need, whatever that need is? Because if you believe it, then, uh, and obviously anybody would say that we do. Obviously, we believe God. Okay, number three, do you really think that God would let you go without or starve or anything like that? He won't, okay? And then number four, and this is where the rubber really, really meets the road, okay? If this matter in my life is really, really important to where I want obedience to God, then let me ask you this. Are there some sacrifices that we could make in order to get ourselves in the place of God's blessing? Here's what I'm saying. And you say, oh, Jeremy, this is so radical. I'm about to say something radical. I believe this with all of my heart. If you were in a spot to where you needed to make a significant change, either sell something, shift something, move to a different location in order to be obedient to God, I 1,000% believe that it's worth doing that because here's what it comes down to. You can believe this or not, right? You have a 100% of your income no matter what that is, even if that looks tiny and small, right, okay? So you've got 100% of your income right here, okay? Or you have, let's give it 85% of your income right here, okay? Because you're giving some to God. This 10% would be tithe, and I'm going to throw in another five because you're giving to missions or you're giving to offerings or things like that, okay? Here's what it comes down to. Do you believe that 100% without God's blessing is better than 85% with God's blessing? And that's a good thing to ponder. It really is. Because I don't care how good your accountant skills are, what none of us can factor in is the blessing of God in our own life, okay? So what I need to say is, okay, Lord, it doesn't make mathematical sense, but I'm, I'm trusting you that this with your blessing is better then everything I could possibly do by working overtime and by doing this and by struggle sh- uh, to make ends meet. Now, some of us are house poor, some of us are car poor, all right? Some of us are eating out poor. In other words, we've made bad decisions in those areas. We can always change that. But if you're asking me, do you think that I should make significant or big moves in order to get to where God's blessing is? I have to answer you, absolutely. If you picture it like a place of blessing, okay? In order to get yourself to a spot where you say, okay, God, I am now to the spot where you can bless me. You've got to make those moves because it's really, really important for us to have God's uh, blessing. Let me give you a personal story, okay? When um, a couple of years ago, uh, and she's not in here and she she typically uh, doesn't get to, but um, my wife had, had, she started doing her uh, photography. And so um, she uh, made a couple of, you know, she was just getting started or whatever. And so she finally, makes this purchase to get a, a bag that she needs, so everything is in one bag, okay? And uh, she's just starting out, she goes somewhere on a, on a shoot, and uh, it goes somewhere, comes back or whatever, shouldn't have left, that kind of thing, and, and it's gone. Someone stole it, someone stole everything that she had, all the equipment at one time, boom, gone, which is a significant amount, because it's something you, you, you know, there's there's a cost into jumping into it. So, I remember we are driving home, and she, we went back, we looked, she's crying, and all this other stuff, and so, sitting there in the living room and we're talking at night we basically had a decision okay so do we say okay forget it and we'll try to save up and come back at this in a you know a year or farther or whatever or do we step out and and make some purchases and hope it goes good and things like that and i remember praying about it and i think okay well lord well we're tithing to you we're giving and and we're doing that and she's she's much better about being consistent than i am but she keeps us really consistent in that area and i praise the lord for that and so I said, well, let's just, let's take a risk and give God something to bless. And so we did. We took a risk and, and God blessed. But I remember the next, just a couple of months later, missions conference comes around. And so we're sitting there. And so we, she had a card and I had a card. And so we, we filled them out what we believed that God, uh, would have us to give. And we have a rule and I continue this rule because I learned it from my dad that, uh, when we come back together, whoever's amount on the card is bigger, that person has the more faith, so we go with that person. So we sat down and I said, All right, go ahead and show me your card, you know, show me so we showed each other a card and her amount was was more significant than mine by a little ways. So she had the more faith. And so, and I looked at her, I said, but we're trying to do this, and we, you know, we just had all this stuff happen. And she said, well, I just really think that we need to trust God. And so I was like, well, I don't know. So I was like, all right, well, I mean, what are you gonna say? So I said, all right, well, let, let's do it then. And God blessed us a lot, a lot in that year. And I, I would love to say it's because of my great faith as an assistant pastor, and because of my wife's faith, I believe, and her obedience Uh, but I'm glad I went on board for it. But what I'm saying is this, is no matter what the situation is, is that once you step out by faith, and that's not a significant story, it's not a crazy story, no one was close to starving or whatever, but I know it was a test early on in our marriage whether or not we're gonna decide, look, are we gonna honor God or are we gonna try to take some shortcuts and a lot of things are excusable and oh God, we'll make it up to you, we'll come back around to it, but we decided that we would try to honor God in whatever way we could. There's also the offering, Obviously, oops, sorry, offering and then giving by faith. I know I'm going to go over time here, so let me try to land the plane quick. I apologize. Offering and then giving by faith. Let me give you three quick uh, points on this. You don't need to write this down, okay? But in, in regards to tithe and offering and giving to the Lord, okay, this, this should sum it up for us, okay? Number one, it is commanded by God, Okay? Number two, it goes to a worthy cause, obviously, okay? Advancing the gospel of Jesus Christ, okay? Missions around the world, whatever, that's a worthy cause. But then number three, and this ought to uh, cause us to rejoice, obviously, it comes with a blessing. It tells us in the Bible, Old Testament and New Testament, that it comes with a blessing. So wherever you're at, maybe you're brand new or or maybe you struggle with it a while or maybe you're in that camp where you're like, okay, well, we're going to get there one day. I would just ask you and challenge you. Uh, is it worth waiting on God's blessing, or is it something that you just need to step out and just make it happen? And I promise you that when you're looking there and says, "Yeah, but it doesn't work," that's that word called faith. Okay, that's always that word called faith. Um, next, right here, developing a plan, developing a plan, and these things, uh, these things aren't aren't. Um, Mind-shattering, so we'll, we'll rush through them here. But in order to develop a plan, and by the way, you guys should always do this on the same page, you and your spouse, but number one right here, you need to create and maintain a budget. Create and maintain a budget. As I said before, I don't believe that anyone in here is a spot to where you're just cavalier, just swiping the card whenever you want to. All of us are probably on some type of budget. Maybe it's super tight, maybe you got a little bit of leeway, good for you. Uh, but all of us need to create and maintain a budget, and that should be heavily talked about between you and your spouse. Because if there's one area you definitely want to be on board about, it's about the area of your finances. Uh, B, establish a habit of managing your budget on a monthly basis. Establish a habit. This is a tough one because uh, it means you've got to go back and you look, and sometimes adjustments need to be made. How many of you have found that the budget you created at the beginning of the year is not working at towards the end of the year, right? Sometimes you need to shift some things around. Sometimes expenses came up that you didn't know about, things like that. Number C, you need to trust God and not your budget. So look, do all of the work, and you say, okay, it still looks like we're short. Okay, that's where that faith component comes in. Trust the Lord and do it. Uh, Be faithful to him. Use your budget as a guide, not as a prison, okay? It can be adjusted. If you need to make adjustments, then do those things. If you need to cut back in some areas, then do those things. It's important to have a uh, good budget. Decide who will do what with the finances. We talked about this before. Uh, maybe there's some guys in here. You say, man, if I took it over, I would be a train wreck within two months. We'd be in the poor house, you know? Uh, so maybe your wife needs to run it. Maybe for uh, wives, your husband's better at it. Okay. Uh, but whatever it is, figure out what works for you guys, because I know every couple is different. Uh, avoid credit card debt. Uh, I was going to rejoice, uh, with them here, but the, uh, they 're putting it all over Facebook, so, but the morales is they, uh, they started doing dave ramsey 's uh, formula there, so they paid off four of their six credit cards, and they 're excited about that and that 's good they 're making a lot of leeway on that. So praise the Lord for that um, as they get free from that. Also here, agree on major purchases. Agree on major purchases. I have found that uh, this is something that my wife is not cool with when I, when I make a big purchase and say, "Oh hey, honey, guess what?" Check out what came in the mail. You know, what arrived from Amazon, that kind of thing. Uh, so you want to be smart with that. The homework that's on there is just discussion questions about this. Are we communicating well in the area of finances? Make sure you communicate. Number, uh, no, the second one there. Are we doing well? What areas? Where are we not doing well? And then the last one here, you might have to take a serious uh, time on this. What adjustments do we make in order to be more obedient to Christ? Again, you're always going to be better off with less with God's blessing than more with your physical means and abilities. You guys are awesome. If you want some more breakfast, get it back there before the little ones come in and invade it all. And uh, so thank you